It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. We're expecting a background briefing from the NSC in about 30 minutes' time. We are just now learning, as you mentioned, that over the weekend, the U.S. carried out a successful counterterrorism operation, a drone strike against what it calls a significant al-Qaeda target in Afghanistan. Two intelligence sources tell Fox News al-Qaeda leader Ayman al-Zawahri was the target of the strike and was killed. The White House says there were no civilian casualties and the target was a residential home in Afghanistan. Ayman al-Zawahri, age 70, was the leader of al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden's right hand, responsible for the 9-11 attacks. The Egyptian-born doctor fled to Peshawar, Pakistan during the 1980s after being jailed twice in Egypt as a member of Egyptian Islamic Jihad, accused of attempting to overthrow the government of Egypt. A former surgeon, he was bin Laden's personal physician and closest confidant and became the nominal leader of al-Qaeda after after bin Laden was killed in 2011. Since the September 11th attacks, the U.S. State Department has offered a U.S. $25 million reward for information or intelligence leading to Zawahi's capture. This drone strike conducted by the CIA is the first publicly known strike in Afghanistan since the fall of Kabul almost exactly a year ago, an example of what the Pentagon termed over-the-horizon strike capabilities. President Biden will deliver remarks on the operation at 7.30 p.m. Eastern tonight from the balcony of the White House Blue Room. All right, that was Jennifer Griffin of Fox News last night. Sandy Rios with you this morning. It's funny that when I think about telling you about this story, I... I realize that so many of you are so young that you don't even remember these names and don't even have you know much of a memory of what happened on 9-11. But al-Zawahiri was, of course, one of the masterminds. He wasn't the only one. Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, who's been you know in Gitmo, uh, the prison uh, down in Cuba uh, for all the years since then, and now been released. Uh, maybe you know that he wanted to die. He was the one that they captured. They pulled him out of a, uh, they captured him and put him in uh, in that prison in Guantanamo and, and wanted to give him the death penalty, but the leftists in Guantanamo would not hear of it. The judges, uh, just see what's happening in our courts now and you'll see what was happening uh, as they went before those tribunals in Guantanamo. So Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, who was the mastermind of 9-11, is still alive and has been released. Well, now suddenly al-Zawahiri has been targeted. He has been on the FBI's most wanted terrorist list. As you heard Jennifer describe, he was born in Egypt. He's part of the Muslim Brotherhood. I haven't even talked to you about that in so many years that perhaps you think that our, the danger from the Islamists uh, who preach Sharia has lessened. It has not. They have regrouped in, guess where? Afghanistan. Where? What happened? Well, about a year ago, we had a disgraceful withdrawal where 
Americans were shamed. And Joe Biden has been taking huge hits from that. So it's really interesting, isn't it, that now that we are coming upon the first anniversary of that shameful withdrawal from Afghanistan where some of our men were killed uh, trying to help the Afghanis um, unnecessarily, uh, it's interesting, isn't it, that right before the first anniversary, Joe Biden should step forward and preen and beat his chest. This is what it sounded like. My fellow Americans, on Saturday, at my direction, the United States successfully concluded an airstrike in Kabul, Afghanistan, that killed the Emir of Al-Qaeda, Iman al-Zawiri. He made videos, including the recent weeks, calling for his followers to attack the United States and our allies. Now, justice has been delivered. Yeah. So I guess the question is, here he was, 71. He had already been replaced as the leader of al-Qaeda. He is now in Afghanistan. What's he doing in Afghanistan? Well, we believe that they're building up their strength, training to attack us. Again, al-Qaeda is not as strong as the uh, the ISIS, but ISIS is there, and they're all kind of, you know, the, uh, the, the, the enemy of our enemies is our friend. Uh, so they're working together, and they are gathering forces in Afghanistan now, thanks to President Joe Biden, who has, you know, soundly withdrawn our presence from there so unceremoniously. So does anybody think that right before the election in November, when his polling numbers are so horrible, especially on national security, and when it is coming up on the anniversary of the disgraceful withdrawal from Afghanistan, that perhaps you think maybe, you think just now, uh, Al-Zawahiri, they just now were able to find him after all these years, with all of our technological capabilities and all the th- th- when we had troops on the ground, we had all of those technical things. You think we just now had the opportunity to kill this guy? I'm sorry. I don't believe that. I believe this is a political move uh, to take out a leader who really is not leading anymore. He's handed off the reins. I'm not saying he shouldn't be taken out because that's part of war. Our enemies need to know that when they attack us, uh, they wage war against the United States, then they are in danger of losing their lives until they die. And so uh, that's important. But I want to just get Michael Waltz, by the way, who's on the Armed Services Committee. He's a former Green Beret. He's a congressman from Florida. I have great respect for Michael. He made a statement yesterday. He talked first about how we should should be happy that this has happened because it needed to happen. But the second part of his statement is actually what I'm going to play, where he talks about his own concerns about what just happened. Michael Waltz. Again, I think this should be celebrated. Uh, I also think, though, it leads to a lot of questions. Uh, Number one, what was the leader of al-Qaeda doing in Kabul? Uh, And from what I'm hearing from a number of folks, both in Afghanistan and in the intelligence community, he's been there for some time. Uh, So what did the Taliban promise him? Why was he uh, someone who has been in hiding for decades? Uh, now, uh, why did he feel so comfortable to really kind of be out in the open? So we're seeing Afghanistan become a magnet for jihadis. Uh, the UN is estimating 10 to 15,000 uh, have fighters uh, and senior leaders have migrated there just in the last year. So I think it leads questions to what was the Taliban's role in all of this? On the one hand, did we notify them uh, with the threat of it leaking and and, him escaping? On the other hand, not notifying the Taliban 
would threaten this fragile relationship the Biden administration has crafted. And then I also uh, want to know how long we've had Zawahiri under observation. Uh, it has to be the world's biggest coincidence just the week before uh, the anniversary of the withdrawal. Uh, and so, you know, I don't want to go down that road personally. I think this should absolutely be celebrated. But there are a lot of people asking that question as well. Um, what I do think we need to be you know, aware of is that terrorism is absolutely still a threat. Al-Qaeda is in Africa. It's in Syria. Obviously, it's growing again in Afghanistan. Uh, you know, this is a, a threat that is going to plague us for generations because as long as the ideology of Islamic extremism is alive, uh, then then we have to stay on guard. The intelligence community was clear that uh, Al-Qaeda and ISIS from Afghanistan are gathering the capability to hit us again and fully intend to do so. Again, we have to keep our foot on the necks of these terrorist organizations. We have to keep the lid on it. All right. So that was the Congressman Michael Waltz. It was a Fox production, a little music behind it, just so you know. Um, the, 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 the truth is the truth here. We are in danger also still from the Middle East. And I would also say, without going off on a tangent, that what he calls Islamic extremism is actually Islamic doctrine. It's the people that actually embrace what is taught in the Quran uh, about killing the, uh, the infidels, the enemy, and that's us. Uh, it, it's our orthodox Islamic teaching. It's not a radical. It's, that is what they believe. And those that don't believe it are just not serious about their faith. Uh, you, you understand that as Christians, some people. Um, anyway, I, I'm, no, I don't, I'm there I'm going on a sidebar, but I want to talk about China because that's important. Nancy Pelosi has uh, been in Malaysia. Now, accordingly, she's supposed to be going to Taiwan tonight. You've been following this, I'm sure, at least some in the news. Uh, but this is a very, very serious. Uh, I want to kind of paint a picture. Some, you know, people have made jokes about her going there and the Chinese are threatening to shoot her plane down. That's part of it. Um, but the Chinese are serious as death. They're not joking. They are on what's called a war footing. I've told you that. And my sources tell me that they wanted, they've been wanting to uh, go into Taiwan uh, for a long time. Uh, Taiwan is a very successful island that they consider to be part of China. Uh, Taiwan is a capitalistic state. Uh, it's a democracy. Uh, they are close allies of ours. But the mainland China has never, ever, uh, ever considered them to be separate. And so a visit by Nancy Pelosi, who's third in line to be the president, is a very serious threat to them. I'll give you an idea. Uh, the Red Army said this, let her go to Taiwan, but pray for her. Uh, they are they're sending, I'll read the exact words here. Uh, the Chinese media, state media personality, Hu Xin, has issued this grim message. Let her go to Taiwan, but pray before departure. Wish herself a safe journey and wish herself not to be, be defined by history as a sinner who starts a spiral of escalation process, expanding military frictions to a large-scale war in the Taiwan Strait. Taiwanese officials have reportedly canceled leave for their soldiers, and officers to immediately prepare for the prospect of war. Last Friday, the Chinese state media said the government was prepared to shoot Pelosi's plane down if it was detected in the airspace accompanied by a fighter jet. And the latest warning is that the Chinese foreign ministry briefing by uh, spokesperson Zhao Lijiang, 
who said that because of Pelosi's status as the number three official, uh, that it would lead to egregious political impact. It would be a gross interference in China's internal affairs. Um, we would like to tell the United States once again that China is standing by. The Chinese People's Liberation Army will never sit idly by, and China will take resolute responses and strong countermeasures to defend its sovereignty and territorial integrity. Now, there have been jokes made about Nancy Pelosi going there, and I understand the jokes. I probably laughed at a few of them, but you have to understand this is a very serious geopolitical uh, occurrence. While we may be joking because we don't like her, um, the Chinese are dead serious. They are dead serious. They are planning to go to war with us. They are planning to take over our country. They are buying up lots of farmland. They are genetically altering their soldiers. They are as serious as death. And this will be, would be, a great excuse for them to start this war. And don't think they wouldn't do it. So I want to just, um, rather than take my word for it, let's go to an expert. This is, uh, guys, hang on to the break. Let's stall just for a little bit here. This is Colonel Doug McGregor. He was on with Tucker last night. And I I want you to hear his comments because he's the expert. I'm not. I just know a lot because I've lived a long time. But his Colonel Doug McGregor, here it is. I think we have to admit that this is probably the most reckless and irresponsible administration in living memory. Uh, We don't have anyone that qualifies as a statesman. Statesmanship involves advancing American interests at the least cost to the American people. None of that is in play here. We're dealing with a group of posers, people who are posturing. Posturing is not statesmanship. And the American people need to understand something that no one has bothered to tell them. That during World War II, Taiwan was the unsinkable aircraft carrier of the Imperial Japanese Armed Forces. All the major invasions of China were launched from Taiwan. Beijing will not allow Taiwan to become a garrison state for American armed forces or Japanese armed forces or any foreign power. And if they think that we are going to ally ourselves with Taiwan, if they think we are going to intervene to defend that island in the event of a dispute, then we will be at war with China for the reasons that I just outlined. And we are not prepared for that. We are grossly overstretched. We don't have the logistical infrastructure. And frankly, there's an old adage that everyone should remember. A ship's a fool to fight a fort. You have to fight China from the sea. We can't win that. China can absorb everything we throw at it. And the Chinese are happy to sit there, let us travel thousands of miles to reach them, and then sink us. Colonel Doug McGregor, you guys can start the music. I just want to point something out. People are asking, you know, then why would Nancy Pelosi be doing this? Some have speculated that uh, that she's doing it because of her husband's business interest in Taiwan. He's deeply invested in that chips bill. Remember, the Pelosi's are making tons and millions of dollars off the decisions that are made in Congress. They shouldn't be. It's, a, it's a, you know, unseemly. It's... A, you know, in the old days, it would have been criticized. But hey, it's business as usual. Our president's making money off of uh, 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 yeah, Ukraine, and so why shouldn't she make money off of China? So some say she's going there for that purpose. Uh, I actually think uh, this is really a dark uh, thing for me to say, but I have to tell you, I think the Biden administration would welcome an invasion of Taiwan because 
that might allow them to call a national emergency and allow him to stay in office, cancel an election because we are in a national security uh, situation. We just can't uh, be, you know, changing leadership at this terrible time. I don't know. Call me cynical. I am Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Telling Bibleists, persecuted believers, no, that's one of the hardest things we do at Bible League. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth, and I want to give you an update on our campaign, Stand With Them. You know, Paul wrote, the persecuted, they may be persecuted, but they're not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. You know, for weeks we've been telling you about Christians who are praying for Bibles in order to endure and persevere. Ahmad is in Malaysia. He's a civil engineer, was beaten. When he came to Christ, he's praying for a Bible. Adesh is in Nepal. He's a tour guide near the Himalayan mountains. He was beaten, but he's praying for a Bible in the Nepalese language. And then Einar is in Zimbabwe. She's a widowed mother of three. Her husband was killed by the Boko Haram regime. She's not praying for an end to her suffering. She's praying for a Bible. We're in the final few days of this effort to send God's word to 16,000 Bibleless persecuted believers. We're short of this goal and we need to wrap up in the coming days. So at $5 a Bible, $100 sends 20. Will you call 800-YES-WORD? 800-YES-WORD. Or give at sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Robert Anderson, Solicitor for the United States Department of the Interior. His office manages 75% of our nation's public land. 1 Corinthians 10.26 reminds us that the earth is God's creation. For the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Robert Anderson in his work on legal matters at the United States Department of the Interior. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country. And we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. Liberty University's K-12 Online Academy is the best of a homeschool, private school, and Bible-based education all rolled into one. With LUOA, you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family. Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make the switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. Washington State has launched an investigation into the hiring practices of a Christian university. Attorney General Bob Ferguson is reportedly probing Seattle Pacific University's religious beliefs that prohibit the hiring of LGBT people. The school is affiliated with the Free Methodist Church. They've been targeted in recent months by massive protests from students and faculty who say the policies are homophobic. Mr. Ferguson, you might recall, is the same man who declared war on the Christian owner of a flower shop, Baronel Stutzman. Her crime was refusing to participate in a same-sex wedding. In response to the investigation, Seattle Pacific has filed a federal lawsuit against the Attorney General. Free Methodists believe sexual intimacy is a gift from God, a great blessing in the sanctity of marriage between one man and one woman. So no doubt the Attorney General's investigation will find the university is guilty of following God's design for marriage, not the government's. I'm Todd Stearns. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. 
There's something else I'm not supposed to say. Ain't but two genders. Two genders. Ain't nothing but men and women. And I can already see WRL out there. They got their licking their pencils around. Trying to write fierce as they can. Get every word of this here. Get every word of this. You can go to the doctor and get cut up. You can go down to the dress shop and get made up. You can go down there and get drugged up. But at the end of the day, you were just a drugged up, dressed up, made up, cut up, man or woman. You ain't changed what God put in you, that DNA. You can't transcend God's creation. I don't care how hard you try. The transgender movement in this country, if there's a movement in this country that is demonic and that is full of anti the spirit of antichrist, it is the transgender movement. It's time for grown-ups and time for Christians to start standing up and being unafraid to tell the truth. Come after me if you want to. I don't care. You want my head? Here it is right here. Come on, come get it. I don't care because it's time for us to stand up. Now I'm not afraid to stand up and tell the truth about that issue. They're dragging our kids down into the pit of hell, trying to teach them that mess in our schools. Tell you like this, that ain't got no place at no school. Two plus two don't equal transgender. It equals four. We need to get back to teaching them how to read instead of teaching them how to go to hell. That's the lieutenant governor of North Carolina, Mark Robinson. Can you believe that? Uh, I mean, uh, this, this is what we need more of. If we had been speaking with that kind of power and unapologetically, we wouldn't be in this mess. But I find Christians, pastors, Christian leaders always have to be, what, nice have to be nice. They know they are afraid to speak the truth with the power that God has authorized them to speak it with. And so, um, but that thank God for Mark Robinson, it kind of shows you that elections have consequences. Uh, and so with that, remember today is primary day, primary day in Michigan, Arizona, Kansas, Missouri, and Washington state. There is so much at stake today. And for those of you that are conservatives, especially Christian conservatives, this is your only chance, your only chance to vote for really strong, valued, conservative candidates. Uh, because generally speaking, if they don't, certainly, if they don't win in the primary, then that's it. Uh, it might be that they'll prevail and you can vote again in the fall, but if you don't vote today, uh, they certainly won't make it. They just won't. Uh, and so uh, we've been talking about this, haven't we, for quite a long time. <laughs> and I just want to highlight, you know, in Michigan, uh, there's um, the governor's race, and there are like five uh, Republican candidates uh, opposing um, Gretchen Whitmer, who's been a nightmare for the people of Michigan. Uh, there's also Peter Meyer's race. Peter is the one who voted to impeach President Trump. Uh, and I think, as a matter of fact, um, I think about half of those a congressman who voted to impeach President Trump have been have are already gone. They've either been voted out or they've resigned, and so um, it's a pretty big day in that regard. But there are other races. Oh my goodness, uh, Arizona, a Senate race between Carrie Lake and Karen Taylor Robson. 
Uh, Carrie is uh, kind of a maverick. She's a uh, she has been an, a, a news anchor, a very well known personality in Phoenix in the Arizona market. She left her job because she was so disgusted by what she uh, saw uh, that she was having to cover in the way she was having to cover it. I I find her refreshing. I met her last year, I think, at, at a uh, conference. Uh, but she's opposed by Karen Taylor Robson. Uh, and uh, Karen is, of course, the establishment pick. Uh, Mike Pence went to support her. Uh, the, uh, Governor Ducey is supporting her. And so those are the choices out there. Carries a firebrand on the election, and so we'll see what happens. In Kansas, you heard a caller tell us yesterday that there's an amendment on the uh, ballot. Very important is value them both. As I understand it, the Kansas uh, Supreme Court, uh, after the SCOTUS, the Supreme Court of the United States, in Washington, D.C., <clears throat> overturned Roe versus Wade, it all went back to the state so that whatever was on the books, whatever abortion law was on the books in each state would be the law until they sorted out what they wanted to do. Uh, so the Supreme Court in Kansas, for whatever reason, jumped in <clears throat> to override <clears throat> excuse me, the restrictions on abortion that were on the books in Kansas. I'm not sure they can actually do that, but what do I know? But they did do it, and so now uh, conservatives in Canada, uh, Kansas have counter measured by putting this, I love this, this is fighting the right way. This is what I want us to do. Fight, 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 fight the right way, but don't say, oh, well, and give up. Listen, this is hard. This is hard. It's so much easier to give up than it is to fight. I understand that. I get tired myself, but you cannot prevail if you don't fight to the end. And having done all stand. So the people of Kansas are fighting back. They have uh, crafted an amendment that would supersede uh, the Supreme Court's restrictions uh, to let the laws that restrict abortion already, that, that to let them stand. They're not letting them stand. So this is the amendment. Value them both. Value them both. So those, all of you in Kansas, uh, you need to get out there and uh, make sure that you vote. And there are other issues there. Uh, remember that um, ivoterguide.com is a great resource for these races to see where the candidates stand and find out who's supporting them. So that's what I always tell you. And if they tell you that they're trying to fight big government socialism, you know they're a rhino. I'm just telling you. Newt Gingrich is all about that. I know this because of a private briefing, okay? <clears throat> Heard it from his own lips. Um, he's decided <clears throat> that the big uh, line that all these candidates should use is to fight Socialism, fight big government socialism, as though that's going to rally the crowd. But if, if any of the candidates that you're looking at are saying that, I wouldn't vote for them personally. <laughs> I wouldn't. But anyway, uh, so that's a tell. And then in Missouri, we've got the big uh, Senate race, uh, and the top two in the, are Eric Greitens and Eric Schmidt. Eric Schmidt is the attorney general, uh, and he is the establishment candidate. Eric Greitens is the firebrand who's had some scandal, which I think much of it has been generated by a Soros prosecutor in St. Louis. Uh, but I'm not an expert on that. It seems like, you know, he may not be, you know, your Sunday school teacher, but he's a fighter on the issues. Um, in Washington State, it's a battle for, um, oh, I can't think of her name, but there's a sitting uh, Republican, Herrera Butler, I think is her name. Jamie Herrera, but I think that's the race. And Joe Kent and Heidi St. John are vying for that. Joe is that military uh, veteran, special forces, good, compelling story. I thought he was great when I interviewed him, but found out later that he wasn't what, I don't think he's what he says he is. Um, he supported Bernie Sanders in the last election. He's not, um, he's not a conservative, and I think he's been a little deceitful. And I think uh, Heidi St. John has tried to expose that. Heidi is affiliated with Eagle Forum, and she's a real firebrand herself. 
So that's what's happening in Washington State. You know, there's so many more um, issues. I, I wish I could get letsfixstuff.org is a great place for information on Missouri, this, uh, Michigan this morning. If you are looking for last-minute information, uh, I wish I could help you more. I do. Um, but that's that's kind of an overview right now today is that so elections have consequences, and it's actually, you see, if uh, you had voted for Mark Robinson, you would have gotten someone who bellowed the message that there are only two genders. God has created male and female. You would have gotten courage in your state uh, and in the, the House of Representatives, the federal, and in the Senate if you had voted for people like that. So today's your chance to do that. Um, all right, remember that the, the House has a fifth— is, um, the House has a real fragile hold. Uh, the Democrats have a real fragile hold in the House, and they have a 50-50 split in the Senate. It's really close. So uh, it's important that if you want things to turn back and we can neuter Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden, it has to be done, and this is the day you need to vote. Okay, so uh, so that's that for that. Um, all right, now speaking of the transgender issue, the, pre- the uh, Biden administration is— rewriting Title IX. Actually, I don't have my paper in front of me to explain the great details. I do need to do a long-form interview on this, but uh, Title IX was passed years ago to protect, to give women equal, equal opportunities in sports, and there was supposed to be no discrimination uh, because of gender, and it meant male or female. Well, of course, now, oh, now, you know, with the Assistant Attorney General, ben, who looks like Ben Franklin wearing a dress, uh, has decided that this all has to change, and now it refers to, you know, we have don't have genders. It's um, So now they want to codify uh, that uh, men can be in women's sports and women's locker rooms. There's no distinct distinctions. It's just an um, amazing mess. I just read yesterday about, uh, I believe it was in Texas, um, I believe it was a cheerleading camp. Yes, I'm remembering. It's a cheerleading camp, and a girl, oh, uh, uh, a guy dressed like a girl was at the camp. That's okay in Texas, I guess, uh, except uh, he was like giving the girls a hard time and scaring them to death. And one of the girls pointed out that he was, you know, biologically not really a girl. And so uh, he reported her, but she called her dad. She was scared to death. The girls are hiding in a closet. Oh, it's working out really well, this transgender men, these men dressed like women working with the girls and being in their locker rooms. It's working out really, really well. And so the Biden administration wants more of it. And uh, we'll talk about that more. But Louisiana, by the way, has banned uh, men and women's sports. It goes into effect, I think yesterday it went into effect. It's the 18th state to enact such a ban prohibiting both biological men from competing in women's sports and biological women from competing in men's sports. And by the way, it was passed uh, without Governor John Bell Edwards' signature, because he's vetoed it, but the uh, con- the legislature in Louisiana uh, overrode that veto. So it has been passed, and uh, so some people in some places are electing some really good people, and they're getting some really good results. And speaking of transgenderism, let me just mention this. Now, this is you know hot off the press. It was actually yesterday that I saw this article, but um, are you ready for this? Remember the guy that tried to uh, break into Judge Kavanaugh's, Justice Kavanaugh's house, and he had all this burglary tools, you know, duct tape, hiking boots, a pistol light, nail punch, a screwdriver, a hammer. He had weapons. Uh, he was going to kill uh, Justice Kavanaugh and his children. Well, we're learning more about him. His name is um, Nicholas John Roski. He's 26. I 
We talked about him some. I told you that uh, somewhere along the line, I read in one place that he had been in Seattle most recently. They say he came from California, but he'd spent some time in Seattle before that. So now we know that Nicholas John Roski goes by Sophie and is identified as male to M to F or male to female. And he posts under a username, American Nick. Uh, He introduced himself with a feminine name. He talked about gaming, watching television, and wanting a female partner to cuddle with him. And we know further that he planned to shoot not one justice, not just Kavanaugh, but three justices. So um, transgenderism is a problem. And I've told you this before because I've had personal experience with a very good friend who went on these hormones, uh, a man who wanted to be a woman, good friend of mine, and became very erratic. He was an airline pilot and uh, started behaving very badly behind the wheel of that plane and was taken uh, out of commission for a while. He never lost his job, uh, but it was because of the hormones. So I, I don't, I'm not saying this is because of the hormones, but I'm just telling you they are creating, they, the left, they are creating such, such anarchy in every single form and putting all of us at risk. There's been a lot of transgender crime. Uh, there have been uh, transgender men who have uh, committed all kinds of crimes in addressed as women uh, in, dis, uh, you could say, desi- disguise. I would say... You know, it sounds like a disguise to me, uh, but it is just so very unhealthy. Now, I have a couple of other things to tell you. This is really interesting to me. And honestly, I don't know who the the author of this is. It's an American thinker, and I printed it out, but there's no author's name on it. But this this was the title. I was wrong about Trump. I recently wrote a column about why I believe Trump should not run in 2024. I was wrong. I allowed my distaste for Trump's personality to override his virtues, which are considerable. Some people want Trump without his vices. I was among them until yesterday when I watched and listened to Tom Klingenstein's speech titled Trump's Virtues. It was masterful and shamed me that I did not make the distinction between Trump's character and his virtues, the former being deeply flawed, the latter being almost perfect. I need to man up in my defense of the former president's virtues. The speech was almost the most among the most pointed I have heard and deserve some exposure. Actually, I'm going to take a break here, and I'm going to come back and read a little bit of this because it is pretty amazing. Everybody's trying to decide, you know, what to do about the presidency. These are just some very thoughtful remarks and also need to be shared with Christians who are so um, scared to support anyone who does not, you know, does not could not be their Sunday school teacher. It does a life is not like that in the political ring. We'll be right back. Sandy Rios in the morning. What do a stuffed crocodile, a dark room, and scientific studies have to do with the fragrance of Christ? Find out when you read Rebecca Davis's blog, The Scent of the Savior. It's just one of dozens of inspiring articles that await you at afa.net slash the stand. While you're in the neighborhood, be sure to sign up for a free six-month subscription to the print version of The Stand. Visit afa.net slash the stand. Hello, I'm Don Hawkins, here to tell you about Encouragement Live. 55 minutes of industrial strength radio encouragement featuring resourceful guests plus practical biblical insights to help you face life's challenges. We'll be taking your phone calls. So plan to join us for Encouragement Live 
Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central, 8.05 p.m. Eastern, here on American Family Radio. When the wicked rule, people groan. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The U.S. House of Representatives passed H.R. 8404, the misnamed Respect for Marriage Act, with a 267 to 157 vote. The bill seeks to provide legislative sanction for homosexual marriage nationwide. Regressives fear that Obergefell, the SCOTUS opinion that created a so-called constitutional right to homosexual marriage, may fall next because it's built on the same legal sinking sand that Roe was manufactured on. Forty-seven House Republicans joined the Democrats to pass the bill. Now it's been fast-tracked in the U.S. Senate, and five Republicans have already expressed support for the measure. If Republicans don't fight for marriage, can they really be considered conservative? Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Introducing AFA Streaming, a new online platform that hosts all AFA-produced video content including documentaries, church curriculum, American Family Radio shows, and our Cultural Institute series. The Constitution only works in the atmosphere of Christianity. Critical race theory and intersectionality are new religious frameworks. The Christian must say, as Paul said to the Galatians, there is no new gospel. AFA Streaming is a vital step that we are taking to fulfill our vision to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. You'll find top-notch resources that address the issues of our day related to marriage, family, the sanctity of life, and many others. Start streaming today, streaming.afa.net. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. The liquidation by drone strike of Osama bin Laden's successor is a welcome tactical victory for America's intelligence and military personnel. Sadly, it also reminds us of the magnitude of the strategic defeat we suffered at the hands of their commander-in-chief a year ago. Consider the following facts. Ayman al-Zawahiri was operating in Afghanistan's capital. Clearly, with America's surrender of the country to the Taliban, it's a new safe haven for Sharia supremacists the world over. Worse yet, thanks to more than $80 billion worth of advanced U.S. weaponry President Biden abandoned there, those jihadists are vastly better armed than ever before. And the tens of thousands of unvetted, mostly unaccompanied young Afghan men that Team Biden allowed to enter and settle throughout America ensures the danger we face from the next Zawahiris will not be decisively defeated by whack-a-mole tactics in distant Afghanistan. This is Frank Evans. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Okay, Sandy Rios back to you. I'm changing my mind. I, I, this uh, American Thinker article is great, but I have so much. Uh, I have other things to tell you that are really important. So I want to put this on our gutter page. It's I Was Wrong About Trump from the American Thinker. It really is very thought-provoking, and uh, I think that you would uh, benefit from reading it. And so I certainly did. I think it's very interesting, and it's a good tool to share with people to kind of put some perspective on who he is and what he actually accomplished. All right, I'm preempting myself because there was a huge story yesterday uh, that really just broke my heart. And um, 
It's uh, one of our J6ers, Guy Reffitt, was sentenced yesterday. Are you ready? He was sentenced for seven years and three months for protesting outside the Capitol on January the 6th. Um, I just now, I have, it's interesting because I knew this happened uh, because I heard I heard it on Greg Kelly's show last night. But then when I, you know, tried to find an article about Guy Reffitt this morning early, I couldn't find one. And then it just struck me uh, that Gateway Pundit really covers this thing really carefully. And I just actually found this article. So I don't have this information in my head. I'm going to have to read to you in sort of a stumbling way. So forgive me for that. But I, it's worth it. I want you to hear this. U.S. District Judge Dabney Friedrich sentenced Guy Reffitt to serve 87 months in prison to be followed by three years of supervised release. Dabney also warned Reffitt if he violates the terms, he will go back to prison for up to the the maximum term. Um, This was the minimum sentence under the sentencing guideline of 87 to 108 months. It's the longest prison term handed down to date by any defendant connected on January the 6th. You may remember, I, I barely, we need to, listen, they've actually, I've been approached to interview them, and I just, it's lost in my pile. I get so much information, I can't keep up with it, but we will do this. We'll follow up, uh, if she's willing, with his wife uh, to talk to them, because their son actually turned him in to the FBI and the DOJ, and it was uh, just a very disturbing, you know, he is like a lot of kids um, that many of you understand, um, have a different political view than their parents but this was a real this is a bridge really far to turn in your father and uh, what was his what was his crime well he actually didn't go into the capitol uh let me just see if i can find the part in this article where it talks about what he did as i understand it he just said some things that they thought were unacceptable he was here, here it is okay although refit did not enter the capitol or attack police what buried him was his hyperbolic and rhetorical statements which, by the way, are constitutionally protected speech. This is a fact that the country has been brainwashed and retrained out of understanding throughout the duration of the January 6th propaganda hearings and the mainstream media's demonization of January the 6th. Hyperbolic statements, even those alluding to violence, have been deemed constitutional by the Supreme Court. I think he, uh, he, I think he threatened, he wanted to drag Nancy, as I recall, once he wanted to drag Nancy Pelosi out and described how you know, he would drag her down the steps it was things like that, uh, which, you know, you can say, well, he shouldn't have said that, but he has a right to say that. If, you know, look at all these people that threaten. Uh, I think of the the production uh, in Central Park of uh, Julius Caesar, where the Julius Caesar was a Trump lookalike in the suit, the red tie, blue suit, uh, blonde hair, the whole thing. He wasn't dressed in some, you know, uh, Roman garb, Roman robe. Uh, and they 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 uh, killed him on stage. They stabbed him repeatedly, and that's okay. Uh, and all of these threats that people are making, that's okay. Well, uh, no, you can't do that. Free speech, as long as you don't act on it, they can't stop you. That's why a lot of times when people ask for protection from spouses that are angry with them because they've been threatened, uh, the police will say, "But you have to. There has to be more than that. You can't just. They can't just say it. it there has to be some action." And so, as far as we know, Guy Reffitt didn't do anything. He didn't go into the Capitol. He didn't attack police. But he made statements that were hyperbolic, and they were used against him in court. And they were made in his own home. On um, He was being secretly recorded. He would, these are statements he made in his own home. 
It was recorded by his t- teenage son, Jackson. The prosecutor, Reeser, now I'm, again, I'm reading things I've not had a chance to read, okay? So uh, forgive me if I stumble a little bit, but this is important today. Prosecutor Reeser Burkauer read a short letter written by Jackson Riffett, Guy's son, to the courtroom. In it, t- the teenager asked the judge to give his dad the maximum sentence. He said his father has slowly lost himself over the years, fallen into a horrible community to find a place in his life, and asked for mental health treatment to be a part of his father's sentence. And so the judge responded accordingly. Um, The judge, let's see, she could have made a statement and said enough is enough and given him time served, said Tina Ryan of Citizens Against Political Persecution. She had the power to do so, yet she chose to send this poor man packing to the federal penitentiary for seven-plus years. She knows the punishment does not fit the crime, but in the end has to comply somewhat with the regime. Judge Friedrich described Guy Riffitt and those who committed similar acts as direct threat to our democracy and says they will be punished as such. The prosecutors also used the Reffitt's family gifts-and-go crowdsourcing efforts against him. Reffitt told the judge that his family would be on the streets if he didn't say something to garner money for them. He stated that without his gifts-and-go, he would be unable to provide for his wife and children from the D.C. jail. I'm sickened by this. I am. Uh, Guy Reffitt's wife, I don't know her name, but I will find it out. But uh, she stood courageously after the sentence, and Nicole, Nicole Reffitt, and said this, clip one. We really didn't expect anything more from the two-tiered justice system here in the D.C. area. Uh, There's not going to be a one-sixer that will not be persecuted for their political ideology. No matter if you are a liberal, if you're an independent, if you're a Republican, this is not okay. The way that people protest in the future will be determined on their political ideology if it's okay to charge them or not charge them. Yes, and uh, that, that wasn't, she wasn't finished. She had more to say uh, just as a general uh, ad, um, admonition to everyone. This is clip two, Nicole Reffitt. He went that day because the United States is the last great stand we have, and if we allow our country to keep being driven into the ground by the corrupt, evil politicians here in this city, then one day at your kitchen table, FBI is going to come in and tell you that you stood up at the school board meeting and you are now a domestic terrorist. So wake up, America. This isn't just about Guy Wesley Ruffin. This isn't about just one six. This is about our liberties being stomped on. Can you imagine someone in your home taping your comments in your unguarded moments, the crazy things that you might say to your husband or your wife over the dinner table, not for everyone's ears, but just family. They've been taped and then brought to a court and your child asking for the the highest punishment possible. This is just, this is a betrayal of your son, betrayal of your, your country. It's just unfathomable. It really really is. I want to say that there's something practical uh, that has just begun, and I, I'm going to just mention it to you right now. I talked to you, I haven't in a while, but there's a there's a process by which you can register your uh, disapproval of what they're doing on J6, of the J6 hearings and the witch hunt in, that's ensuing. 
Go to Align Act, A-L-I-G-N Act, Align Act. If you can make a note to keep that in mind, they do great things. They don't, this is not a money-making project. It's not money-making for me either, but I know them and I try to, uh, I, they're a great tool because through them we can send millions of messages to congressmen and to uh, senators about what they're doing and what they're allowing. So if you go to Align Act, you'll see that there is a campaign called End the January 6th Witch Hunt. We'll put this link on our Getter page for those of you that uh, use Getter. But for the rest of you, End the J6. If you Google this, you're, it's not going to come up, I don't think. I don't think, they'd allow you, I don't think they would allow it. But, you know, you could try it. But just you need to remember Align, A-L-I-G-N, Align Act. And then in the J6 Witch Hunt is the name. And this is what it says. The January 6th Witch Hunt is a political intimidation campaign by the left. The committee has assumed absolute powers with the full backing of the Biden Justice Department with the goal of ruining Donald Trump's supporters. Now they are targeting the wife of a Supreme Court justice in a blatant intimidation campaign. This made-for-TV star chamber needs to end now. If you feel that way, then take your pencil, write down Align Act. And again, this is a, this is a platform upon which a lot of these kinds of campaigns, don't, that don't, I don't want to minimize the importance of this because they're very effective. Align Act, and it's in the January 6th witch hunt. And it'll take you, it's very simple. It'll take you through the steps of uh, letting your voice be heard to members of Congress. And I just, if you are as upset as I am, if you are as upset as I am about what's happening to the J6ers, to the men in the jail, uh, to anyone affiliated with President Trump, from the attorney John Eastman to um, uh, Sidney Powell, to any of them who are just being hounded and ruined, uh, then you might want to, this is something you can do. This is something you can do in the J6 witch hunt. All right. Um, can I, when I give you some good news? I think you need some good news, don't you? I, I need some good news. <laughs> and there is some. Thanks to our good friend, Matt Staver, the founder of Liberty Council. God bless Matt Staver. Um, I can't believe I haven't had him on. Uh, I should have him on every week because he's just knocking it out of the ballpark. And what am I talking about? Christian doctors and nurses have won a $10.3 million lawsuit after their hospital denied the COVID shot exemption. It's the nation's nation's first class action settlement involving a COVID shot. Uh, it should be a wake-up call for every employer that did not accommodate or exempt employees who opposed COVID shots for religious reasons. The North Shore University Health System, this is in Chicago, will pay more than $10.3 million for unlawfully discriminating against more than 500 current and former healthcare workers and for denying religious exemptions from the COVID shot mandate. Let me read. This is even this is even better than them receiving compensation and the, the financial sting to the hospital. The North Shore will also change its unlawful no religious accommodations policy to make it consistent with the law and to provide religious accommodations in every position across its numerous facilities. No position in any North Shore facility will be considered off-limits to unvaccinated employees with approved religious exemptions. In addition, employees who were terminated because of their religious refusal of the COVID shots will be eligible for rehire if they apply within 90 days of final settlement approval by the court, and they will retain their previous seniority level. This is a historic, first-of-its-kind class action suit against a private Employer, it was filed in the Northern District Court of Illinois and must be approved by the court. Listen, that's, that is amazing. Just let that sink in for a second. That is some amazing stuff, and we should all be 
very happy about that. Well, there are a lot of other things. Uh, there was other news that I was going to tell. Oh, here's, here's, this is actually, this is pathetic, but maybe it's funny. I don't know. It depends on, you know, if you don't live in, if you don't live in Chicago, maybe it's funny. If you live there, it's not so funny. The mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, my home city that I love so much, being ruined and shredded by the left. If you have never been to Chicago um, before this travesty of leadership overtook it, it is one of the most beautiful cities. One of my friends, I should tell you the story sometime when I have more time, that I met through radio. She was a, a Spanish countess as she was recruited to uh, work as a, the, the uh, World War II as a spy. Uh, the precursor to the CIA was the OSS, and I got to know her, um, uh, and she said to me once, uh, New York City, she had a place in New York City, and she had three homes in Spain, and she was quite the lady. She was really good friends with Audrey Hepburn, uh, very good friends with the Duke of Windsor and his wife. I mean, she just was a walking uh, history lesson. I was, a, She was a model, so it was wonderful to be her friend, and she told me once that New York is, uh, who, that she loved, is an international city, but Chicago is an American city. And so it's true. Beautiful, by by Lake Michigan, free and open, gorgeous, great shopping, freedom, people laughing and happy. It's just amazing. But not anymore, because now Lori Lightfoot has lowered the threshold for the speed cameras from 10 miles per hour to 6 miles per hour, per hour. And if Chicago drivers don't follow those rules, they can lose their driver's licenses. But now we're learning that, um, oh, well, you know, it doesn't apply to Lori Lightfoot because her detail... I don't have enough time to tell you all these, but they have had so many violations uh, since they've been driving for Lori Lightfoot. They're doing the very same things that she's taking away people's licenses for doing. You know how these cameras work. Uh, But she insists, you know, they're different. That's a different thing. So they're refusing to pay the fines while the regular people like you and me who go through those cameras are losing their license if they don't pay these exorbitant fees. It's raising a lot of money for the city. Makes it a great joy to live there, as you can imagine. Oh, okay, it's election day, primary election day. Please sure that you go to vote today. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.